Welcome to Technovation. I'm your host, Peter High. Our broadcast today comes from our most recent Meta Strategy Digital Symposium. And the topic of this panel was data and artificial intelligence strategy as an enterprise change agent. The panelists who spoke about the topic were Rajan Kumar, the Chief Information Officer of Intuit, and Sesh Tiramala, Chief Information Officer of Western Digital. The gentleman who led that conversation was Meta Strategy Partner and West Coast Lead, Chris Davis. I hope you enjoy. I'm really excited for our next topic, data and AI strategy as an enterprise change agent. I'm joined today by two fantastic technology leaders who have a long tenure in Silicon Valley, Rajan Kumar, the CIO of Intuit, a $14 billion software company that has products like TurboTax, Credit Karma, QuickBooks, and MailChimp, and Sesh Chirumala, the CIO of Western Digital, a $12 billion data storage company. Sesh and Rajan, welcome. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Chris. So what's really interesting about both of these firms is that while all Silicon Valley is bubbling with conversation about AI, both Intuit and Western Digital are companies that have been here for a long time. Western Digital dating back to 1970, Intuit from 1983. So innovating through the lens of technology has always been part of these two companies' DNA. And Rajan, I want to start with you. Intuit came out with some announcements just in the past few weeks about how it's embedding AI into its consumer products, but also how the company is thinking about it more broadly speaking. And, and I would love to maybe have you speak to a little bit about how is Intuit thinking about leveraging AI as a source of competitive advantage? Hey, thanks, Chris. First of all, good to be here. We strongly believe AI is going to change the world far better. Touching almost every single industry, it's going to be a competitive advantage and empowering all of us as humans to with new resources to create new opportunities you know, across, across the world. Many years ago, about five years ago, we declared Intuit to be our AI-driven expert platform, you know. So we are into this from a long time, you know. To your point, there's a lot of hype recently, especially last nine months with Gen AI, but we have been into this journey from a long time. We are transforming Intuit, overall Intuit, from a text and accounting platform where consumers and small business uh, have to do a lot of work. We are transforming it to a global financial technology platform where we do the hard work for them through our AI-driven expert platform. A small data example over there, you know, we, from last year, we generated about 800 plus million AI-driven interactions with our consumers across all of Intuit platform. This just speaks to the scale of it, to your point. And, you know, and recently, of course, we launched a lot of new products, especially with the Gen AI innovation over last, uh, you know, last year or so. We launched a lot of new experiences, which are driven by the Gen AI, a lot more human interactions with our consumers and small businesses. Yeah, I love that. And and just the whole notion that you can leverage the technology to expand the footprint of smaller businesses, people who might not have the power and the might and the human resources and take the, the products that are really targeted at that audience and enable them to operate at a different scale. And Sesh, Western Digital is a really interesting company. You know, on the one hand, hardware is part of the equation of enabling AI, especially at the edge and data centers with your data storage products. And at the same time, knowing a bit about the company's past and current uh, state that AI is also part of how you need to operate in order to compete, whether it's your engineers who are building models and trying to test out what are all of the different permutations that get embedded into your products or on your business operations. And Sesh, I would love for you to maybe speak to how your company at Western Digital is thinking about AI and its competitive strategy going forward. Yeah, no, again, thanks, Chris, and good to be here, right? So again, I've been coming up on my six-month anniversary at Western Digital. 
And then back to your comment, we are responsible in producing a lot of the data storage solutions, both from our consumer data center cloud perspective. And we have a very complex and a global supply chain, right? And when we think about AI, we've deployed a lot of AI models, whether it be on structured data, because again, supply chain and test equipment is a very capex intensive investment. You're producing wafers, you're building wafers, and then eventually producing a finished product. So inspecting all of the manufacturing, setting up digital twin capabilities in the factories, driving robotics in terms of process automation, collecting test data, I think is a very complex and a laborious process. So again, when it comes to AI and ML models, how do you work on all the test data to predict potential failures? How do you also use images from electronics and from optical sensors and scan images? Because again, these are month-long manufacturing processes. Using images, how do you predict and avoid errors and failures, right? You know, that whole complex manufacturing around structured data, around test escapes, test quality, looking at images and preventing errors because it's a fairly intensive operation and investments. And then the digital twins of the factories that we have are majority of the digital and AI investments that we've made so far, right? And then now obviously, you know, the next cusp and wave around what does Gen AI mean is fairly still, uh, you know, nascent and, and we'll get into it. Yeah, I think that's really interesting because at, at its core, when you think about that end-to-end manufacturing process, the Digital twin allows you to simulate and at the core of any AI model is probabilistic uh, modeling out of what are all the different possibilities and variants and and you can do that in the physical world. <laughs> you can't always know exactly what the temperature or the pressure is going to be and if the equipment is a little bit off kilter when you're operating with such precise instruments. Uh, and so that's a great use case where you're applying that and you have the cycle time to then improve it, especially when you have to then scale that and manufacture it uh, globally in all of your centers around the world. So I think that's a, such a fantastic application. And, and as you noted, one that's already in play. It's something that's been going on for some time. And while in your business, generative AI or, or something around those lines might be uh, more nascent, uh, Rajan, I know that that's something that Intuit is tackling currently. And so, Rajan, I wanted to come back to you. So I know GenOS was something that the company has positioned as how you're trying to provide access uh, and a framework for leveraging AI as a company. And I would love for you to maybe speak a little bit more about some of the use cases that you're thinking about as the CIO. So obviously Intuit has its commercial products where you're enabling that financial expertise for your customers, but you're also a large company. You have to scale up and scale down huge numbers of tax professionals every year. Uh, you have to enable your global workforce. You have to run a $14 billion business. So what are some of the use cases where you're looking at AI generative or otherwise to really run and scale the business operations part of the organization? A great question, Chris. So a couple of examples that comes to mind with the question that you asked. I think the one that we have been doing for quite a few years is, as you said, we have about 20,000 experts during our peak season, you know, during the tax season, who provide basically the tax advice, accounting advice to all our uh, customers and small businesses across Intuit Break Farm. Driven by that, there is about 25 million chat conversations between these expert and customer care agent with all of our consumers. So we have been using, you know, AI as well as machine learning over the last 
couple of years, you know, to basically get the meaning out of these conversations, how we can use all these conversations to make our expert and care agents a lot more productive by providing auto responses based on all the machine learning from these millions of conversations. Our last year's number was about 25 million. Extending that to the announcement that we made a couple of weeks ago about Intuit Assist, you know, that is for all of our external product experiences, of course, with TurboTax, with QuickBooks, you know, we are exploring and implementing something very similar for our internal employee base as well. You know, as you can imagine, employees need to go to, you know, tons of different help desks within the company, you know, for IT help desk, for HR-related questions, for procurement-related questions, or tons of other things. So we are putting together a similar kind of front page phase for our employees where they can come to this assist to be able to get answers to any of their questions related to their internal employee experience. Yeah, I think that's so fascinating. The need for knowledge workers to find access to information expeditiously uh, has just gone through the roof. It's like the shoulder tap physically might not be possible anymore. And then as new people join the organization for the first time, all of that tacit knowledge that you just don't get unless you sort of organically absorb it from people around you, you have to render explicit. And then how do you enable people to find, search, or be served up that information at the right time? And I think that's such a wonderful use case to say, if we're if this is a problem we're solving for our customers, let's then apply that to our workforce. Uh, let's make sure they have the right knowledge information, whether it's running a query of what are our sales with this business customer all the way through, how do I know what our leave policy is and really reduce that friction, uncertainty, fear uh, that might creep in when you don't have those reassuring conversations at the water cooler quite as often as you, you might have done in the past. And Sasha, I want to come back to you. So Prior to your stint at Western Digital, you were at PagerDuty, at Anaplan, but you spent 20 years at Cisco, where you really helped build a $10 billion e-commerce, everything as a service engine. So driving large scale transformations is nothing new to you. And so you're six months into your organization. I'd really like to understand how you think about organizational change management. On the one hand, you're inheriting a tech stack, a population of very smart engineers and technology leaders in their own right in your, your product businesses. And the organization is likely looking to you to say, okay, so how should we be thinking about the next version of our AI strategy? How do we tackle generative AI specifically? So Sasha, how are you looking at the organizational change management where you at the one hand need to lead and on the other are all still new and, and still probably earning some of that organizational credibility at the same time? Yeah, no, absolutely. Great question, Chris. When you come into a role, I always look at it as two buckets. One is perform, and then the second is transform. So you get keys to have a transformational agenda only if you're doing a good job in your perform bucket. Perform right. bucket is... Am I meeting my SLAs? It's like gas, electricity, and water. When you turn it on, you expect it to be on, right? It's always on. So whenever you have a glitch in any of your core services, it impacts IT credibilities. How are we doing in terms of our incident management, problem management, coming back to page of duty? How do we use observability and AI ops to make sure that you can predict if something's going to go down? How do you ensure that your customer experience is not compromised, et cetera? And as a part of the big change management, the first step is, are your performance metrics and KPIs in line with what it needs to be from an industry perspective? And then likewise, we run a lot of factories. So you got to have uptime of three to four nines, right? Because you just can't disrupt the factories. So that's on the perform bucket, right? 
Then when you fast forward and you take stock of your current organization and you go, well, I need to drive top line growth. And right now, from a macroeconomic condition standpoint, the whole industry has been very challenged. So our revenue went from over the north of 20 billion to about 10 to 11 billion dollars. So again, how do you look at market data, industry data, pricing elasticity, what's happening in the NAND industry? So again, there's a lot of external data that just doesn't affect Western Digital. It affects the Microns, the Seagates, other industries as well, Samsung, et cetera. So again, one element is what are the external factors and how do you use that data in terms of a generative AI? And then the second thing is, how do you prepare your organization around being a data-driven and an analytics? Forget Gen AI for a second. Even the fundamentals, right? Who are your top customers? How do you forecast? When the market conditions change, are you quick enough and agile enough to respond to that change? So again, I still think Many a time, QBRs from a business perspective are rare view mirrors, right? What happened last quarter? Uh, very rarely, you can tend to see how does sales, business unit, finance triangulate on an aligned forecasting view that then can manage the business on a go-forward basis. So to me, I think it's preparing IT from leaning in with the business, understanding the business pain points. Gone are the days of systems of record, and we've all spent years on systems of record and ERP and building data warehouses and moving data to clouds and all that, right? Now it's about how do you wrangle data as the fundamental substrate? How do you wrangle and put that into action and decision-making? And it goes back to crawl, walk, run. And especially now with Gen AI, NLP, et cetera, now it goes back to the connectedness of this data, highlighting and surfacing the core data quality and data issues and data modeling challenges. Because again, data is going to be the differentiator, right? In, in, in a go-forward basis. So again, my focus is, how do we get some of the fundamentals around the core skills of connected data? Let's start to think about the predictive nature of this data in a way that we know our customers, we know the buying patterns, we know what technology is up for refresh, pricing, et cetera. So again, I think that's the biggest is not just managing for today and yesterday, which is perform, but aligning where the puck needs to be, which then means your talent strategy. Maybe you've gone too far on your outsourcing and outtasking. How do you bring back some of the IP into the company due to historical cost pressure? So again, it's the balance of IP. And then how do you bring in and infuse good talent that can think about problems of the future? I know I said a lot, but I think that's essentially the biggest change is how do you prepare the organization and inspire them to be looking at three, five years out? No, I, I think you summarize a lot of key points, Sesh, where, you know, on the one hand, Gen AI has sort of sparked a craze of interest, but you're not really going to be well positioned to to earn the credibility to participate in that investment cycle unless you're getting the basics right. The three to four to five nines, whatever your operation demands, having the right talent, if you're completely outsourced and your internal technology organization are just vendor managers, how are they going to really even have the ability to understand the adjacent possibilities of the technology, let alone enough real deep acumen on the business use cases and application. So making sure that the, the foundational technology is right, that the data is prepped and that the talent is there, those feel like three great and, and essential building blocks that if you weren't awake at the wheel before, you ought to be now because this next wave is going to drive right past you. And Rajan, I want to circle back to you. So at Intuit, we talked about you're able to leverage AI both in a commercial and in a business operation setting. And I would love for you to share how the organization is looking at building out, you know, for lack of a better word, a center of excellence. You know, the four E's of AI adoption, uh, 
educate, explore, experiment, and then expand. And we'd love to understand, Rajan, how you're helping lead into it through that journey of educating, exploring the options, experimenting, and expanding. And and in some cases, you very well may be more on that fourth E than many others. Yeah, Chris, you're right. I think the probably the key catalyst for us has been our early investment into this space. You know, like I said before, we declared to be AI-driven expert platform five years ago. We realized very early on that to, for us to be able to deliver the personalized experience for small businesses as well as consumers at the same scale that you see in the big enterprises, like you said before, you know, how do we offer that level of expertise, that level of experiences to the small businesses and consumers across our whole ecosystem? We realized early on that accelerating the AIML development is going to be the key to providing this experience. With that, we set to democratize overall AIML across the company many, many years ago, and we have seen humongous progress, to your point, over the last many years in terms of that. The idea of democratizing over here is that we want to be enabled both AIML expert, which we have hired a lot, we have trained a lot over the last many years, as well as non-AIML expert as well, like the software engineers to be able to deploy and monitor AI and machine learning models at, at big scales, and to be able to do it faster and as much as possible with no-code or low-code kind of capabilities. The idea is building a center of excellence, you know, where we are building all the capabilities that can be used by different experiences, different product experiences across the whole platform by using the central capabilities. And within the central capabilities also covered are the privacy component, make sure that we are not sharing our consumer data externally. It also covers the security component of that. We have, have our own responsible AI principles to make sure that all the experiences that are being generated across the company, you know, they are taking into consideration all these compliance needs through this central platform or central capability, what we call GenOS, you know, that you said earlier. Uh, that we recently announced externally as well. Yeah, I find that so interesting. And Sesh, I want to bring it back to you. So when you think about the organizational change management component of this, you talked about getting the talent right, having the technology skill set in-house to a certain degree. But then as we're rolling these things out, we need to be able to educate our team members, communicate to large groups of people, whether it's on the front lines in your manufacturing facilities or your engineers in your product business units. You need to retrain employees in some cases, and where you're working with other companies, you also might need to educate your customers. So how do you think about taking the complex topic like this, where you're trying to introduce new, you're trying to generate excitement, perhaps generate a little bit of demand, but then also harness it in the right way, <laughs> not have everyone expecting something that might not be coming immediately, might, you know, using the appropriate protocols and following the policy appropriately. How do you think about the communication and organizational change management so that adoption is successful? Feels like all the POCs in the world are cute and they make great headlines, but they don't really move the needle. <laughs> it's only organizational change management that really moves the needle. And Sesha, love your thoughts on, on how you're thinking about that at Western Digital. Yeah, so what we did was our CISO, right, our Chief Information Security Officer and I, we crafted a very simple email and our target audience, honestly, is anybody VP and up first. And we basically called out some of the key guardrails around ensuring that we got to really be cautious and how we crawl, walk and run as we evaluate different, in the spirit of excitement, we obviously don't want to kill excitement, but in that spirit, just some guardrails around uploading companies and 
sensitive data, trying to do rational experiments, et cetera, right? So again, just the first step is to really get your exact leadership team and anybody VP and up just to get the basics and how we need to govern this. And then the second is to really have each of the key functions appoint a go-to person, right? That's going to be the evangelist from use cases and ROI and can be the focal point. So again, the second ask is let's identify by core functions, a key leader that we can work with. And then setting up a governance structure, which includes, obviously, legal's got to be front and center in terms of partnership, HR, procurement, et cetera. So again, I think our first step is educate. We created a homepage where we can define some of the fundamentals, some of the activities that's in place, and then leveraging this community to really set expectations with their teams, right? Uh, you know, we recently were trying to do search, search enterprise search is a big topic, right? And it's a big pain point for many. So obviously in the spirit of rational experimentation and testing, you want to do this as a process, but then soon you realize that when you open up access to as simple as Jira, maybe, which is a critical system and how work gets done, people may not realize that over time, Jira is not just about bugs and user stories, but it also has a lot of product features and backlog and customer data and this and that. As a technologist, you may go, what's a big deal? Let's create an API and expose Jira. But then what the business ramifications are, what if the sensitive data got out, right? What the implications and repercussions are. Using some of that and then going the OSM moment, right? With people, uh, not so much to slap the wrist, but really it's about education and change management going, hey, this is private, this is confidential, so here's how we got to go about it. So again, we're trying to limit what systems first in this experiment that we are okay in terms of opening and learning from it, but then nowhere near to in terms of just yet productionalizing it. So again, using some of these use cases to also highlight from the lens of privacy and confidentiality, that's on one angle, but the other is technical readiness. And then more importantly is really ROI, right? Again, very few can articulate what outcome will it drive in business speak. I think we're trying to focus on ROI, compile a set of key use cases, set up the right governance. We don't want to be lagging. We want to be leading, but then start to use some of these use cases and technology choices. There's technology from the app steer, right? And, and here's where the Salesforce, the Glean, the MoveWorks, et cetera, I call them in the app tier. Then there's the core infrastructure and the LLM space and who are the vendors there. So again, really trying to identify how do we engage, who do we engage with, who's focused on and looking at it from an app perspective, who's looking at it from a core infrastructure orchestration and foundation perspective. And then how do we keep the flow of information across this, right? So, so that's how we're really approaching it right now. Yeah, I think that's a great way to be thinking about it, Session It builds a lot upon what Rajan mentioned earlier about building that governance structure and ability to sort of triangulate what the use cases are and then also eventually get to the point where you can democratize it because the tools in the hands of few are not really going to yield the benefit in the long run. And Rajan, one of the questions I want to come back to you on is one that I think is really making a lot of people anxious. And it's a bit of a classic question in technology of build versus buy, but this is really one of the definition of core intellectual property. Organizations really should be wary of a bet at all strategy because there's so much innovation coming from different facets. There might have been early leaders with OpenAI and Azure or Google or Anthropic or what have you. But if you bet it all on one, you really might find yourself sort of missing out on the next wave of innovation. And Intuit, again, we've already talked about some of the examples where you've deployed this commercially. How are you tackling the challenge or the conundrum of do we build, do we buy? Is this truly differentiating IP? How do we manage the bet at all? And I wonder if you could share some insights with us. 
Yeah, sure, Chris. I think it's a classic, like you said, buy versus build, especially in any technology organization. You know, we have very, I would say, very durable set of principles that we have used consistently at Intuit for many, many years related to if something is core to our business, very similar to what you said, that can help us get a competitive advantage, that can help us differentiate our capabilities and services for our consumers. We typically are more biased to building those kind of experiences. Given our external declared strategy to be AI-driven expert platform, of course, this is very core to what we do and what experiences we want to create for our customers. I think that's also the context of, you know, we investing early on in Genoa about it a year ago in terms of building this whole Gen operating system. There are multiple components to this Gen operating system. One of the key components over here is what we call financial large language model, which is we have data around small businesses, we have data around tax, we have data around a lot of marketing through the mail chain for small businesses. We are building this financial large language model by using all this data to be able to provide the personalized experience, which is very core to everything that we do for our consumers. Within this gen operating system, we might use many third parties. To your point, we might buy wherever, depending upon the innovation creativity that is happening in the industry. But we are trying to keep it as transparent as possible for all the consumers of these services across Intuit that they should not have to make changes as the innovation, to your point, continue to happen behind the scene. They can just continue to use through this GenOS platform all the latest and greatest that we are innovating within Intuit as well as what we are seeing externally through our partners. Yeah, I think that's such a nice way to put it where if it's core to the product or service that you're offering, that's a clear need and you have the skills, right? That, that's an important challenge for organizations. Of if you don't have the skills, you might need to build up. And so it might be a buy now, build later approach, because I think what's very clear amongst all the panels today is we're still in the very early days. It feels like we're missing out if we aren't publishing <laughs> releases the way that Intuit is, but we're still in the first innings of this ball game. And so Sesh and Rajan, I think you've shared a lot of great insights with us today, whether it's understanding your core business and targeting use cases, whether it's predictive modeling of sales and forecasting, Sesh, as you talked about, or the digital twin and enabling the real perfection of the manufacturing. Or Rajan, as you talked about how Intuit is both building this knowledge assistant that could be used to be the financial platform for small, medium-sized businesses and consumers, or for your internal colleagues. And Sesh, you also spoke about the use of enabling enterprise search so that we can connect people and knowledge workers to do better work. We talked about the organizational change management of educate, explore, experiment, and expand, and the, the things that your organizations are doing to check each one of those boxes. And so Sesh and Rajan, thank you so much. This has been a fantastic panel. We covered a lot of ground this morning. I hope you have a great rest of the day. 